Parents strongly cautioned, the following programs are intended for mature audiences over the age of 18. These programs may contain some materials that many parents would not find suitable for children. The programs may contain intense violence, sexual situations, coarse language and suggestive dialogue. Hey everybody, welcome back to another anime convention. This is Jim Nelson here for the Toonami Faithful Podcast, Manchester, New Hampshire, and I am joined today by Chris Kaysen, who is kind of our Funimation's ambassador to New Hampshire almost, considering he's here every year. Yeah, this is year six for me. I love it here. Wow. Yes. Call it my home con. Nice. <laughs> Even more so than the cons down in Texas, I guess. Ironically, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, what is it about the Granite State that keeps you coming back every year? Well, I love the slogan, live free or die. Let me start with that. Um, and the incredible tax breaks that are here in the city, in the state, rather. Um, I, I don't know. I, 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 I've traveled a lot in particular. Particularly this year, I've traveled quite a, uh, quite a distance, even as far as Australia. But mm-hmm. for me, um, no matter where you go, it's really just about the people, ultimately. Mm-hmm. You know, they define a location. Mm-hmm. And sure, I love the weather. I love the food here. Mm-hmm. That goes without saying. But it's, it's the people here that I really keep coming back for. So mm-hmm. it's great. So that's pretty awesome. So there isn't anything in the water, or the old man. I was going to say the old man of the mountain would like words if you ever fell if you ever fell out of favor. But then again, the old man of the mountain's been gone for ten years. What? So, really? Oh, no, you didn't know? No. Oh, it happened like ten years ago. The old man of the mountain uh, fell off. It made uh, I think it made national news. It became like the old nub of the mountain, and then I guess like nothing. Not. Really? I, I guess. Had, okay. Wow. Yeah, the old man of the mountain fell down at ten years ago. We well, you know similarly. Uh, Around where I'm from, they have the State Fair of Texas. It's one of the largest state fairs, apparently, in the country. I don't know. But there's a 30-foot cowboy, uh, which sounds like a joke in and of itself. 30-foot <laughs> cowboy who is, you know, when you first walk in, the 30-foot cowboy, and he uh, he's waving to you and you know out of his mouth. It's like, it's like a big ventriloquist dummy. It's, howdy, folks, welcome. You know, it's that. <laughs> well, uh, last year, uh, yeah, he caught fire. And there are some really funny pictures of a 30-foot cowboy on fire. <laughs> and then when it was over, it was just... It was like a, ha- a ten gallon hat, a belt buckle, and a frame. It's the best no. thing. And what's really great is the voice of, of uh, or at that time, the voice of Big Tex. It was pre-recorded, but also he was in a little shack with a window and a mic, and he could do live. And his Big Tex's mouth would open and close. And I said he missed a great opportunity because what he should have done is, as he was off, I was like my body, I can't feel my legs. Like I, I'm on fire. That's what I wanted. He didn't do that. <laughs> And then when the thing was burned to the ground, I'm the ghost of Big... I mean, I want him to do a whole thing, but I think he saw his career go up in smoke. It's just sad. You know? <laughs> oh. Because oh. he'd been Big Tech. So he was great. He'd been Big Tech for like 10 years. And mm-hmm. so it's like, wow, he's on fire. That's too bad. So anyway. <laughs> well, it's more Man on Fire than the Denzel Washington movie, Man on Fire. Because I see no Man on Fire in that movie. No, so. no, exactly. This was real fire, guys. <laughs> So, um, you kind of uh, Funimation Swiss Army knife when it comes to all kinds of stuff. You do acting, you've done script writing, you direct. So I love that description, by the way. That's actually how, like, a utility player or a, that's, that's utility how I, infielder. Yeah, yeah, so, <laughs> yes. So um, that's for all you Red Sox fans out there. Uh-huh. <laughs> Not for you Tigers fans. You don't get anything. <laughs> nope. So anyway, um, so how do you manage to fit all that in? Um, well, I believe the more you do, the more you get to do. And so mm-hmm. for me, I, I was interested in, in 
pursuing those things, and it just sort of happened. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I know that, particularly in Hollywood and stuff, everybody has, I mean, the joke is they say, what do you do? It's like, well, I want to direct. I mean, that's mm -hmm. the joke. But I started doing voice work, and I actually did say I want to direct. And at that time, the company was small enough that I, I could say it, and it mattered, you know. Um, or in other words, it was I, I had the ear of the people who were in charge, and um, it's actually I think still like that, even though it's quite a larger company. But um, yeah, it was just I, I voiced an interest, and I finally got a bite. They were interested in me, and and it mm -hmm. sort of uh, grew from there. And my first script ever was. Um, I think I directed, at that time they were working on Case Closed or mm. Detective Conan, and I worked on, I think I directed about 30 of those, but I started uh, writing a little bit for that show too, so mm. uh, that's where I started, and that was a lot of fun. So, um, you've also, you're also well known as the voice of Gluttony in, yeah. in uh, Full Metal Alchemist, so uh, what's that like having a, you know, just this one character that you're so wonderfully associated with. Actually, it's funny because that changes now. There's a lot. There's a the Popo fandom has increased quite a bit. Oh, yeah. uh, so I forgot about that. Actually, there's, there's a lot of Popo talk now, and Popo's had at least, um, uh, well, if Animation, it's had two fathers. So to speak, mm -hmm. as Chen Shinhan also has. Um, yeah. It was, it was me. Well, in the case of Popo, it was me, and then I left. And to go do a national tour, mm -hmm. so I left for about a year. So no. I knew that they would have to. There'd be a new popo in my, you know, while I was gone. And uh, Chris Abbott took over as popo, and it's funny that makes me laugh because he's imitating my voice, but he's like three octaves lower than I am. <laughs> and so that was a funny popo too. And now I'm back doing it for Kai. But as far as Gluttony goes, it's great. I mean, only DBZ and Full Metal Alchemist. Mm -hmm. I mean, those two represent a very rare occurrence in an actor's life, which is, hey, do a show. Finish the show, wait six or seven years, mm -hmm. do it again. That's so that never happens, and it's happened to me with two properties twice. Twice, yeah. so that's crazy. But I love it. Nobody rocks a black unitard like Gluttony. <laughs> Nobody eats like Gluttony. Nobody. Either. I got a a fan gave me a Gluttony cutting board, which is so cool. <laughs> uh, of course, you know. that is awesome. Oh yeah. So um, having it, you've been in a gag dub like Sergeant Frog, so. Uh, how much leeway do you get with the script as opposed to more of a straight dub, like, for example, Full Metal Alchemist or Dragon Ball Z? Well, I found that um, normally there's more straying from the source material. In terms of writing, there's more strength, mm -hmm. or uh, script adapting, mm -hmm. there's more straying from the source material if it is a comedy. Mm. If it's a comedy, you have more leeway to make pop culture references that are um, that people here would get as opposed to, that's like Lake blah, blah, blah from Japan. And people mm -hmm. are like, I don't think that's funny. I don't get it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you have more leeway that way. Like uh, Shin-Chan or mm -hmm. um, uh, Hitalia or shows like that. Where a, a, versus a straight drama, which is pretty much, no, you have to. The, you, there's no, there's not, it's not as subjective. You mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, comedy relies on uh, things that people all know and agree with. And that's why it's funny. But... Um, yeah, with straight drama, it's much more difficult to stray from the source material, and sometimes it depends. Sometimes companies um, who are in charge of, of the property, they want it to be very close to the original, and some don't care as much. Mm -hmm. So it, it's right. kind of a case-by-case. Case. So, um, actually, uh, you also do acting in addition to voiceover. So what other kind of acting do you do, like for stage or radio or anything? Um, I'd like to do more of both, especially... Um, yeah, I mean, gosh, you know, it's funny people talk about, you know, I want to be a voice actor. And I say, I agree, you should, but also, uh, like any actor, you know, throw as many noodles on the wall as you can, and maybe more than one will stick. Uh, it's not just voice acting, you can also use your voice for, oh gosh, audiobooks and for um, selling, I don't know, selling a car on the radio. Or, I mean, there's different ways that you could use your voice. But, um, yeah, I, I was, I began in theater, 
and that's pretty much where I where I started. So I did that. I did. Uh, I played uh, at the time during that period of time pre Funimation. There was in Dallas. There were three things you could do locally, and they were Rocker Texas Ranger. Hold <laughs> for applause. There was uh, yay. There was yeah. Barney. We all know who that is. Mm-hmm. And there was Wishbone. That story of the, the little oh, dog yeah. Wishbone. And those three were done locally. So mm. you know that was pretty much it at the time. And and theater. So and some commercials. I did a few of those, but. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those things where you know you audition all the time, and mm-hmm. you, an actress spends more time auditioning than they do uh, getting the part. Mm-hmm. But then when you start going, oh wait, I think this must be catchy. Like this must be okay because I keep getting more, uh, more parts in this form than another form, mm-hmm. and so you just kind of follow that. But, uh, but yeah, that's how I started. Okay. So. Hmm, pretty interesting. So um, another thing is that. You were actually a contributing guitarist for Guitar Hero 3, of all things. Yeah, that was interesting. Mean, it was weird to be a part of a game and not use my voice for it, <laughs> to use a hobby, you know. And it's so right. cool. I, I in no way believe I am the guitar hero, <laughs> uh, because I'm one of like 700 <laughs> guitarists on that on that game. Right. But um, it was really cool to be part of it, you know. Mm-hmm. And you've done also other... Um, uh, voiceover work for games yeah. um, like you um, the one that immediately springs to my mind is Borderlands 2 Huge. which I also like to play a fun game called Spot the Funimation Voice Actor well that, <laughs> well, that, that particular game is great for that because mm-hmm. it's loaded I mean it's practically it's almost exclusively Funimation Voice Actors mm-hmm. which was so cool and uh, Eric Vale directed it mm-hmm. and um, that was a lot of fun I wasn't as familiar <clears throat> with the first Borderlands but from what I understand Borderlands 2 was even more successful and mm-hmm. even had more, uh, uh, I don't know, just it seems like many people knew about Borderlands 2 even more than Borderlands 1. So mm-hmm. we can assume that they're going to make Borderlands 3. And I've already talked to some of the guys from Gearbox as a joke. And I said, guys, I'm thinking Face McShooty comes back. But we'll, <laughs> we'll see what happens. You know, he's extremely dead right now. But he's quite dead. He's <laughs> very dead. I don't think he's going to be deader than he ever was. No. <laughs> <laughs> so um, going back to uh, anime and to Toonami, um, was Toonami ever part of it, and what were some of, uh, if not, well, or even if so, what were some of your uh, series growing up as an anime fan? Was to, uh, are you asking if Toonami was part of my interest in getting it, or how do you mean? Exactly? Or it's it's kind of a two prong question. Uh, first of all, what were you know your series growing up, and um, did you find that you were watching more anime because of Toonami, or did Toonami you know serve as kind of a gateway like it did for so many others? Or? Well, um, I was. I was on a show in the original Toonami. Yeah, you were on to say DBZ. Yeah. So for mm-hmm. me, it was kind of like, wow. The, actually, for me, that was me saying, wow, I'm on television. <laughs> I mean, or at least my voice is. Like, to mm-hmm. me, that was my disembodied voice. I remember being in a toy shop, because apparently I'm seven. <laughs> but I was walking around the toy shop in this mall, and they had, you know, uh, first of all, I was taken by the fact that they had fun, uh, Dragon Ball Z lunch boxes and mm-hmm. all this Dragon Ball Z stuff. I thought, wow, this this show must be a big deal because it was still catching on. Mm-hmm. And they had TVs on every uh, corner of the the store. And I got up to pay, and there was a TV facing me in the upper left-hand corner, you know, attached to the ceiling. And it was on Toonami, and it was Dragon Ball Z, and it was Tien, which, me. Mm-hmm. So as I'm paying, buying, who knows what, I'm yeah. seeing myself and hearing myself on, on TV, and it was just, that was a surreal moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, an interesting trivia, trivia about... Toonami was Toonami Tom. Mm-hmm. Do you yep. remember who played the first Toonami Tom? That was actually Sonny Strait. It was Sonny Strait. A lot of people remember, or of course know Steve Bloom, but uh, <clears throat> yes. Sonny was the first one, which is crazy. Uh, but my first influences were, um, uh, of course, growing up I watched Looney Tunes and I watched mm-hmm. uh, Tom and Jerry. I love when Tom gets hurt and that yell is what is classic. <laughs> yeah. uh, but also I watched um, 
GeForce Battle of the Planets, I watched Star Blazers, I watched uh, Robotech and Voltron. Mm -hmm, and as mm -hmm. a kid, I didn't know they were from Japan. I just thought they were really, I thought, well, this isn't funny. There's not a mouse slapping a bunny, you know, with a with wooden plank. Yeah. Um, so I thought, wow, this isn't funny, but it's really cool and really dramatic, and the artwork is so great. Mm -hmm. And only later did I learn or even try to learn. I thought, wow, this is from Japan. This is so, so cool. So, and a really weird sort of um, circle of life, no, I won't start singing, moment yeah. came when. Um, the creator of Galaxy Railways, or excuse me, the creator of uh, Star Blazers or uh, uh, Battleship Yamato. Uh, yes. He later came out with a show called Galaxy Railways, and I got mm -hmm. to direct um, a couple of those shows and be a part of it as a voice actor. Mm -hmm. So it's like, wow, I used to watch this guy's show, and now I'm, I'm directing its English dub. That's so crazy. So that was really, <laughs> that was another cool moment. So, yeah. Sweet. Yeah. So uh, this is actually uh, something I uh, like to ask people who have been on both sides of the glass. Um, when you're when you're acting and you've you know been directing and stuff like that, do you find it yeah uh, hard to keep yourself from say auto correcting or just directing yourself? You know, uh, when I'm watching just anime in general or watching something that I was in. Well, when or? you're actually well, actually when you're behind the mic yourself, because you've oh. di you've directed and you've also done voice acting yourself. Do you find it hard to keep yourself from directing yourself instead of how the way say Mike McFarlane would want? You know. Well, um, oh yeah, I used to call that a number seventy-two because it, happen <laughs> it happens so much. Where um, you know, as a director, for example, I would experience or I would have actors come in and maybe they just started directing themselves, for example. So mm -hmm. they would come in and <laughs> it's inevitable. Like, it's just a funny thing that happens where they start self-directing. Like, mm -hmm. okay, give me one more this time a little faster. Like, okay, I'm going to try. Like, like, in other words, they they direct. It, it's hard to divorce that, take off that uh, director hat. You know? mm -hmm. So that happens a lot. But also, for me, directing myself as an actor in a show that you know I'm directing is really difficult. That to me is so, because you're picking yourself, your own performance apart. Mm -hmm. um, so that's really difficult too. And then of course at home, watching anime, mm -hmm. it's very difficult now for me to watch it objectively because I know, you know, it's like I know what's behind the curtain because mm -hmm. I've done it. So for me, I, I tend to pick it apart without wanting to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, it's hard for me to sit back and watch it for what it is. Right. Because I, I, I'll think, you know, Ooh, that's a splice. That's probably a seventh take. I know that person. Like, <laughs> like you know, it's hard just to sit back and enjoy. But but when I do, by the way, that means it. You know, for me, it's like, wow, this must be really great because I, it's really good. So, mm -hmm. so uh, is there anything that you're working on currently that you would like to plug or are allowed to plug? I guess is a lot better to say. <laughs> I never. This is a really dicey question because I never. I don't always know the release dates, mm -hmm. and I always feel like. I guess I'll have to employ an all-or-nothing tactic, which is mm -hmm. uh, there are cool things happening, and I'm afraid to talk about. Or uh, I hesitate to talk about them because I'm not sure if they're out yet or not. If there's the slight, well, I mean, um, if you know you can talk about them, that's the thing. Like we don't want to be you yeah. know, getting you in trouble or anything like that. So. Isn't it funny? Like a voice actor, at least in anime, is paid to talk and then paid not to talk. I mean, I should say the pay comes in in doing both, mm -hmm. and so uh, and I guess we're all really good secret keepers because nobody has really, no one's really you know, just blown the lid off a show that was top secret <laughs> for five years or something. Um, I would say so. I'll just go ahead and say yes. There are cool things coming, <laughs> as always from Funimation. Because oh yeah. they're the best for a reason. Yeah, so. I think so. 
Yep. So um, that's about it for uh, AAC. I wish I, I wish I had more, but you know, it seemed like we zipped through stuff, and then Tatum, it's like, yay, everything, you know, <laughs> use up every last bit of time. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> oh, I could go on, but <laughs> <laughs> hey, if there's anything you want to relay, like a funny con story, uh, uh, stalker fans, anything like that. Oh, well, sure. I mean, I, I have time. I mean, yeah. I think, as I said, when you. Traveling a lot, you mm-hmm. encounter, you know, uh, thousands of people a year, which mm-hmm. is, you know, an unbelievable number. And, yeah, there have been really weird things that have happened, but uh, luckily nothing too, nothing um, nothing bad. I'm mm-hmm. trying to think of, like, the best version of the con story. Um, let's see. What happened at a con that's... Wait, no. No. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe that's, I'll, I'll play it <laughs> not safe. Not at all? Okay. I'll, well, I'll play it okay. safe and say, mm. not at this time, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, there are... On a particular, maybe there'll be a, a few panels here and there where I'll be able to uh, talk more about those. But um, it's actually, I mean, honestly, these cons are really cool. You know, my first convention ever, I was so afraid that, um, you know, I want to do a good job because mm-hmm. it's, it's my first ever convention. I didn't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. And I thought, because um, at that time, I think it was around the time of, it was FM, like, uh, I knew I would get a lot of FMA questions mm-hmm. from Metal Alchemist, so I thought, okay, I better be prepared. So I, I got online and I started looking up every single episode, mm-hmm. and I print I had this printout of all the stuff, and I tried to basically study for a test. I tried to learn about every single episode, like the synopsis, who was in it, yeah. because I knew I would get there to this con, and somebody would say, um, "What happened in episode seventeen in the the ninth minute when blah blah blah?" And I thought, mm-hmm. "I got to be ready." So in the plane on the way there, I'm leafing through all these pages, like trying mm-hmm. to study my homework, and then I get to the convention. It wasn't anything like that. It was just you know. How are you? Did you have fun? What was it like? And it wasn't anything like that. But I, I just remember trying to do my best, and it turns out it wasn't even, you know, what I got from that convention was um, just sort of a great sense of uh, community and family, and it was just such a, it was a very warm feeling. And so, yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm I, I, I go to them to, to meet people, and uh, it's just really been fun so far. And I, and it, like I said, I feel like I've been. Gosh, I've been all over, you know. And that's what's really interesting, too, about these conventions is that um, no matter if you're in Ireland, mm-hmm. as I was, or in, in uh, Australia, once you enter the con, once you're in there, in that building, mm-hmm. it might as well be anywhere. Because, <laughs> like, there's still a Pikachu over here, and there's still a whatever, and there's still the same mindset, and people are having the same type of conversations, and it's it's really cool. So, um, yeah, I've really had a great time. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we hope you're enjoying yourself. You obviously are because you keep on coming back to New Hampshire. So. I love it. I mean, I, I'm already thinking about 2014. Excellent. <laughs> and, we're not even, and we're not even through the first day of 2013 yet. So. I know. I'm really looking ahead. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we call that's what we call forward planning, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so uh, anyway, thank you very much for uh, coming on, Chris, and uh, we hope you enjoy yourself here and uh, continue coming back to the Granite State for many years to come. I hope so. Thanks a lot. All right. And that's, that's it for us from, the, from another anime convention here in Manchester, New Hampshire. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed yourself. Uh, I know I did because these guys had me in stitches the whole time. So, <laughs> so until next time, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that's about it for Con Season 2013. I'll be seeing you guys on the podcast.
Alrighty guys, this is our final episode of the year. Uh, thank you all so much. I apologize for the kind of shitty audio quality. This is kind of last minute. And uh, we're going to go ahead and leave you with a nice little bonus. Uh, Jim, while he was at AAC, also recorded a, a presser with Kari Walgren, who plays Haruko on FLCL Kimmy on Symbionic Titan. And she's currently on Rick and Morty and a lot of other shows. Uh, the audio quality isn't so great on that one, so uh, keep that in mind as you listen to it. And we hope you enjoy it. It's just a little nice bonus, and we hope you have a great new year. We hope to see all of you again in 2014. Hey, this is Kari Walgren, the voice of some of your favorite anime characters. And this is a Toonami Faithful podcast exclusive. Kitty, kitty, meow. Hello, hello. Okay, has everyone introduced themselves? If not... Anyone or want to introduce themselves? I have Sorry. not met this okay. cutie here. <laughs> Hi, I'm Capetio from Anorak I. Awesome, nice to meet you. I'm Kari. Okay, I assume everyone else has made the introduction? Uh, we, I'll, I'll still okay. need to get names, but I know... All right, names and organizations. We'll do a round robin. Yep. Um, I'm Andrew from uh, Wicked Anime. We run podcasts and reviews. Uh, podcasts on nerdyshow.com and YouTube. Uh, YouTube reviews for animes. Awesome. And I'm Jonathan. I'm I'm John C. Riley, real name. I work with the, uh, the Boss Bass Brigade and JCN Studios. Okay, awesome. Jim yeah. Nelson from the Tsunami Faithful Podcast. Cool. Um, I'm Evan Borgo. I am the co founder and editor in chief over at Boston Bass Brigade. That fashion's my name, not my reputation. Cool. <laughs> Are you two going to be asking separate questions? No, or? no, no. I'm just going to be filming. Okay, cool. Okay. Yes. All right. And. Cat from the Otaku Momentum. Great. Uh, Jason, Otaku Momentum. Uh, Kristen Otaku Momento. Phil, the issues guy from issuesprogram.com, and I'm also associated with Boston Basketball. Sweet, okay. Yeah, so I'll be, he'll be asking questions. Awesome. Okay, so right now I'm Leon. I'm right here. Uh, Anorak guy. And basically, what we did, we just go to conventions across the U.S. Sweet. Cover for fans that can't attend the. Yeah. And you're getting my good angle here. <laughs> <laughs> you're not kidding me, right? I'm, I'm, no. I just, I just want to make sure. I, I don't want to ruin the picture. Okay, so I guess we'll do a round robin style. Um, starting the front, we'll work our way to the back. So. Left to right, and to Evan, then to, sorry, what was your name again? Oh, Phil, but Evan's Phil. asking, Evan is... Oh, okay, so just one question, and to you guys, and then we'll start back. So, you. you two, I'll start. Um, no, I'm too nervous, you're next. Okay, <laughs> it's all right, get the... All right, well, um, I actually uh, wanted to start with kind of a weird question uh, to kick off the panel with, but what was it like filming a 10-minute death scene for Helsing 4? Ooh, that's a good question. I wish you had been uh, at the at the panel right before this because we totally talked about it. Okay. That was the most intense death scene I have ever recorded. I mean, it just went on and on. And by the time we got done with it, uh, Taliesin, the director and I, we just sat back and we're like, dude, that was exhausting. That was intense. Uh, so it was, I mean, it's, it's one of the few times where I just have been drenched in sweat after finishing a death scene and just felt completely spent. It was great. It was a great experience. Uh, that whole character was a great experience. Um, and then you got to sing in German. And I got to sing in German and I got to sing a, a Nazi song that was, frighteningly catchy <laughs> so the big joke was that I had to keep reminding myself not to whistle it when I was 
walking around because it was so catchy. So that that was a hard character to shake off. She she gets inside your inside your mind and messes with you. Very cool. Okay, so you were on Rob Paulson's Talking Tunes recently. Yes. And um, you mentioned that Haruko from Fooly Cooly was not only your was your first voiceover role. So. How does it feel that your first role is one of your best remembered and most recognized? Well, technically, Haruko was my first animation role. I had done radio commercials before that. I had done um, uh, radio drama when I was actually 12. So I had been doing voiceovers. But as far as animation, um, that was my first animation role. And obviously my first anime role specifically um, and I'm kind of glad that it worked out that way because I went into it with no preconceived ideas about anime uh, no uh, ideas of how things should be done so I kind of went into it with a really fresh slate and especially for that character I think it was necessary because it's just so all over the place that um, I don't mind that it's it's still beloved because I think that to try to go back and do it now, it wouldn't be the same performance because uh, you know I've I've been more immersed in the anime world and so it was it was a fresh new experience. Um, you mentioned. Uh about doing previous voice work beforehand, but you've also done some TV, you've also done a lot of stage productions. Um, do you have like a different mindset to, uh, depending on what, what you're doing, whether it's voice or stage, uh, when it comes to taking part in the acting aspect of it, or do you have a similar process when it comes to taking on each role? That is a great question, and I think you're the first person that's ever asked me that in that way. Um, that is the tricky thing about these different kinds of entertainment. Uh, sometimes you'll have a film actor that goes on stage and they're not very effective on stage. You can't hear them, they, the power doesn't come through, or you'll have someone who's a great stage actor but then they, co they go to voiceover and it just doesn't quite read the same way. They're all different mediums. Um, so. I think that the acting choices can come from the same place creatively, but the technique, the technical side of it, has to be different. Uh, when you go into a voiceover studio, you have to be aware that popping your peas in the microphone, it, you, they can't use it, you know? Uh, whereas on stage, if you don't pronounce things and project, they're not going to be able to hear you in the back row. So I think the artistic side of it and making the, the choices for a character can be the same, but uh, the technique, you have to switch it up to be effective in different areas. Very interesting. Uh, I understand that some directors prefer that the voice actors don't read the full script and actually learn as they're going on, what the audience learns as the story unfolds. Did they do that with Fooly Cooly? That's another cool question. Um, with anime, specifically, 
we usually don't get the scripts in advance unless you're helping to translate the script into English or unless you're the director most of the time you don't know the show before you go in so it's really important that you have a good director that knows the overall arc of the story and the characters so that you, they can help guide you where you need to get um, with original animation western animation it's different usually you get the script a few days in advance you get to uh, to read it before you go into the studio but uh, I think it's good to have had experience with both for me because then you just kind of learn to think on your feet when you go in the studio and you, you learn how to uh, make character choices and trust your director with whatever information you're given, whether it's a little bit or a lot. With Fooly Cooly specifically? Uh, Fooly Cooly, I did not see the script beforehand. Fooly Cooly was different, though, because they took a lot of time with that dub. Usually with anime, they record it very quickly. So you'll go in and record uh, sometimes three episodes in a single session. With Fooly Cooly, it's only six episodes, and we took a couple of months or a few months to record it. So we had a lot more time to kind of dig into the script and the characters and get the nuance of things. How did you ready yourself when you voice acted as an M&A from Ooh. Uh I think it really helped that I had done Haruko before that because Anemone was another one of those characters that had such a bizarre, interesting mix of uh, sensitivity and insanity and uh, just all sorts of different crazy layers. Mm -hmm. So FLCL really helped kind of prep me for that being in that mindset. And once again, we had a great director, and um, so he was able to really uh, make sure that she never got so crazy that you couldn't sympathize with her. Um. As an anime uh, voice actress, uh, what is your favorite anime? Uh, not necessarily one you've been in, but... Oh, that's a really hard question. Um, I was a... I used to watch a lot of anime in college, and I was a big fan of, of Eon Flux, the anime show. I was a big fan of Dragon Ball Z. That got so addictive because you just kept thinking, I'm just going to watch until they finish this fight. <laughs> and it would be one of those marathon days, and suddenly, eight hours later, you'd be like, the sun is setting, and I don't think they're going to finish this fight, you know? So, <laughs> I loved both of those shows. Um, as far as ones that I've worked on, I've got a lot of favorites. I mean, I love Samurai Champloo. Uh I think Fu is the character that I probably identify with the most because she's she's goofy and kind of awkward and eats a lot. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so that uh, that one is is definitely a favorite. I loved Witch Hunter Robin, um, and I loved loved FLCL. 
So um, you seem to talk about tsunami frequently on Twitter. Um, do you have what kind of personal, what kind of relationship or uh, personal connection do you have with the block as either a fan or as a voice actress? You know, I I don't have much of a of a relationship there. I'm actually trying to reach out more because of the fan base because I've had a number of I don't do a lot of conventions and I've had a number of fans say, you know, I've always wanted to meet you, I've always wanted to contact you. So, I've found that Twitter especially has been a really great way for me to to reach those tsunami fans and at least be able to say, "Oh, thanks. I'm glad you're liking the show. I'm glad you're you're watching this project and it's and it's fun for me to see what shows are popping up again and bringing in new new fans. Well, with with Fully Cooley, for me personally, it was a really big gateway for me for the for the Japanese music scene because oh, of nice. the pillows, oh, yeah. the, the soundtrack, and then through the pillows, I got into artists that they were associated with, and so forth and so forth, which got me into doing a radio show, which then brought me to doing this whole podcast show. So without Fully Cooley, like what I'm doing right now would never really have happened. That's awesome. But, um, but my question is regarding with the whole Japanese music scene, did you get that sort of curiosity for for their rock music or their or the J-pop over there after doing a show like Fully Cooley? You know, that's, a, that's another great question. I mean, uh, I, I have... M- a big curiosity about their music scene that I would like to continue to explore. So if you'd like to make me a mix of some of your favorites, actually, I would love it. Um, But it it is kind of fascinating that the soundtracks in a lot of the shows that I've worked on are phenomenal. And and so I find myself listening to it uh, and just really appreciating it. Um, Fate Zero, the one that we're working on right now, the orchestral score in it is as good as anything I've heard in a major feature film. I mean, the music is astounding. Uh, Samurai Champloo had so many hip-hop influences, and I'm a huge fan of that. So I'd actually like to hear more of the artists behind behind that. So, so yeah, I mean, the music is something that I definitely have grown to appreciate a lot more, but I still am not as familiar as I'd like to be. Shoot me your email afterwards. I'll send you a cool link. Awesome. Uh, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit since we touched briefly on uh, Fate Zero. Yeah. Uh, soon you'll be doing the voice of Saber, I believe. That's uh, correct. And uh, comparing a character like Power Harko to Saber, they're completely different ends of the spectrum. Uh, I just want to know, do you feel more comfortable playing like the silent badass like Saber, or do you feel better playing the more spastic, crazy character like Harko? That's... Wow, you guys are like not messing around with the good questions. <laughs> I, can, I can safely say that these are the best questions I've ever gotten in a press panel, ever. Yes. Like so, good on you. Um, uh, the I wouldn't say that I have one that I like more than the other. I think the thing that I've been really grateful for as an actor is that I've had the opportunity and I guess the ability to do both, because it keeps it interesting for me. Um, if I were just doing the dramatic badass all the time, I think that it's not that I wouldn't appreciate it, but it would get a little boring. So it really shakes things up for me as an artist to get to play, uh, you know, something like 
Haruko, and then turn right around and play something like Witch Hunter Robin, which is really low-key and dramatic, and then get to turn around and play something quirky like Kagami in Lucky Star, and then get to turn around and play something like Saber in Fate Zero. So I think it's not that I prefer one over the other, but it's the variety that keeps it really fun for me. Um, This kind of goes with the varieties question. Um, As a performer, as an actor, and as a wonderful voice actor, do you ever, you obviously have some stage presence and charisma. Do you ever think crossing over to being on camera and doing something more visual, like more live action type things and expanding your acting? That's a a good question. I've actually started doing a little bit more on camera in recent years. Um, uh, The Swiffer Mud Girl commercial. Uh, if you Google that, the, uh, no, it played for like over a year. So it's like, hey, are you that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and then I had a recurring role in Wizards of Waverly Place, and I just did a Criminal Minds episode a couple months ago. So, so yeah, that's that's another thing that adds to the variety. Do you find it difficult to transition into that? Uh, like, are you starting from square one again? Uh, with passing out resumes, going to auditions and things like that. Yes, yes, you're exactly right. I mean, it's it's so funny because you really literally are starting from the bottom when you try to go oh, over sure. into the on-camera world because it's all new casting directors. It's um, all new, uh, you know, production companies, offices, that sort of thing. So, so it is difficult uh, but I guess the nice thing is that, you know, I've been lucky enough that I'm working enough in voiceover that I don't have that desperation. <laughs> so I can go into the on-camera side of things and just kind of relax and have fun. And if it works out, great. But if not, I can still pay my rent. So that's going to go into an audition, too, with the low pressure. So totally. You get your best performance. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, going back to the lucky star, with, uh, in regards to Kagami, did you have, um, I think it's Michelle Ruff, did you guys work together um, as, you know, your twins in the AMA, or was it just you in a separate room trying to figure out, like, the dynamics, like, of your character and her character uh, reading the script? Well, unfortunately with anime, we never get to record together. Because everything is synced up to picture, they can only sync one person at a time behind the microphone. That's the difference between... Uh, anime and original animation or western animation some people call it prelay uh, with a show like Phineas and Ferb or uh, you know The Simpsons or something like that you go in and you record all of the vocals first and then they animate it so we can sit as a cast in the room and record all together and that's fine but with anime you only uh, work alone which can be hard sometimes because you have to form these relationships without the other person being there. Um, the thing that was so great about Kagami is that uh, she reminded me so much of myself in junior high, just kind of that brainy, smart, kind of dorky kind of thing. So I, I had her number. I had her number. <laughs> um, between voice acting and acting in general, do you have a preference of whichever you like more or what you would rather do in the long run, unless you obviously like both, but... Voice acting. 
if, if somebody held a gun to my head and said, you have to choose between on camera and voice acting for, to do for the rest of your life, I would definitely pick voice acting. For one thing, uh, there's, you know, Hollywood doesn't put like a time frame on it, especially for women. I can play old ladies, I can play babies, I can play boys, I can play girls, and I've never once had someone say, you can't get this part because your thighs are too big. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, so, so I feel like creatively, I get to express myself and, and do a lot of different parts in voiceover that the business of the on-camera side would either not let me do or I would not have as many years to be able to do it. Um, so yeah. Wow, I just got all like philosophical on you guys. There. <laughs> so, what was it like uh, being a voice actress in an Academy Award winning <laughs> short film? <laughs> okay, for the record, I did not get an Oscar personally. <laughs> but in my, but I have said that I feel like if I ever do win an Oscar, I want to have at least one intelligible word yeah. in the yeah. project to feel like I really deserve it. Uh, that was one of those. Paperman was a lovely surprise because it was literally one of those sessions where Disney had worked with me on some other projects, so they just hired me. I didn't even audition. They said, come in. We, want, we just want to record some reactions with you. It's probably going to be a 10-minute session. Uh, we just want to kind of add some vocal ambiance to this project. So, you know, I went and did it, and then to see the reaction that it got and then to see it when... An Academy Award. It's, it's, it's a very humbling and awesome thing to have happen. You know what I mean? To just be a small part of, of something like that. Um, so, Symbiotic Titan is a show that seems to be loved equally by the fans and those who worked on it. What's it like working on a show that seems like it get, feels like it gets canceled before it's time? Because, as you know, for those who've seen it, Symbiotic Titan ends on a horrible front end. <laughs> um yeah, I I really enjoyed working on that show. And and it was fun because it I showed up for one episode and they kept bringing the character back, which was kind of cool. Um so we had a good time with that one. Um that's one of those ones in the way back of my brain. I hope it has like some sort of arrested development. Rebirth, um, you know. Symbiotic Titan's success on Tsunami has actually sparked a petition to bring it back. So we'll we'll see. You know, um, my my favorite thing about that show is the uh, the animated booty quake. I looked, you guys. I looked for that song. Speaking of the whole music thing, I tried to find it, and I re I found out that they created it specifically for the show. So you can't find it, but uh, yeah, it still makes me laugh whenever I see that scene on. I was like, whoa, they really went for it. I really can't do those splits. <laughs> Children. Children. <laughs> when, when voicing characters, it's somewhat easy to figure out how they were feeling due to like facial expressions, but you had a bit of a challenge with the character Selty and Dararara because... She doesn't have a head. So, um, 
when you went to record the character of, of Selty, how did you go about capturing her emotion in the show? Selty uh, was actually one of the most freeing characters in an anime show that I've played because of that reason. Um, with with having to sync things up to picture with, with anime, you're really limited in your performance by mouth flaps. You know, if, if the mouth goes, you can't say, I love you and I want to bury your children for all time. <laughs> just, there's just not enough time. So, so actually, the fact that Selty didn't have a head, it actually gave me a little bit more freedom with the interpretation of it. I could take a pause here or there that if, if she had mouth flaps, I wouldn't have been able to do. So there's, for that reason, I actually, she's one of my favorite characters because I felt like I could bring a bit more of myself personally to that role than I could for a lot of other ones. Wow. Never, never thought about it that way. Yeah. Uh, I had a lot more character-related questions, but they're getting knocked down left or right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm either going to say I'm sorry for talking so much or I'm glad that it's answering your questions. <laughs> no, I was going to ask, um, do you have any uh, hobbies, uh, you know, outside anime and all that, do you have any geeky hobbies uh, that you love or, like, things you go, like, man, I wish we could start talking about this because I could talk about this or, like, ever? Oh, man. Or, or should I say, also artsy? I, my problem here is that I'm trying to pare it down in my mind to like one or two things. Um, I'm a huge Wonder Woman fanatic. I collect Wonder Woman stuff. Uh, I am kind of obsessed with coffee mugs, so I've got about like 15 Wonder Woman coffee mugs, and that doesn't include my Disney princess mugs and my sports mugs. Sports is another thing that I'm really passionate about. If I were not doing voiceovers, my dream job would be uh, to be a sports anchor on ESPN. Little known fact. Yeah, like behind the desk and LeBron James scored 35 points in tonight's effort against the Pacers and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Uh, So, (laughs) you know, I I love sports. Um, I'm a big Doctor Who fan. Yeah. uh, I am recently, right now, completely strung out on Game of Thrones. Uh, hook me up to the crack pipe, kids, because I'm so strung out on the show. Uh, so I'm reading the uh, the new Batgirl by Gail Simone. I'm a huge Gail Simone fan. Uh, I loved her take on Birds of Prey. Uh, so yeah, so I'm I'm a closet geek and not even a closet geek and uh, and love sports, love working out, love music. That's the short answer. <laughs> has voice acting ever opened? Like, has it influenced your able, like your ability to emotionally express yourself, or it opened up things to you you didn't realize about yourself? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think it definitely makes me much more conscious of my voice and the the voices of people around me, not just what's being said, but how it's being said. Because when you do voiceovers, you start picking up a lot more on the nuance 
behind stuff. <laughs> that's a, that's a party's obviously out there, guys. <laughs> um, and uh, and just the fans, like the the anime and animation fans that I've met through working in this business, um, just in general, that's really touched my life in a big way because it's easy to say, oh, you know, I just I do cartoons for a living. You know, that's not really all that important. And then you hear somebody come up and say hey, your performance in this thing got me through a really tough time and that makes what you do meaningful. So I would say that's the other huge thing about voiceover that's been really awesome. Um, so I know me, I fell in love with uh, Saya after 50 episodes of Blood Plus. Um, were you, uh, I know it was done by a different company, but were you a little sad that you couldn't play Saya again in Blood Sea? You know, I loved Saya. She was she's actually probably in my top five favorite characters, so it is sad not to to be able to to do that again. And it's it's people always ask, Well, why aren't you doing it for this or why aren't you doing it for that? And it, a lot of times it's it's just business. I mean, a new company will buy the title, uh, and so they'll cast new people sometimes the the union status will change and so if they did the first round union and they do the second round non-union they can't use the same actors uh so there are a lot of things that that keep you from from doing a part again uh having said that i mean saya i just loved that character in fact I used to wear my hair super short like that, like I had the short Saya haircut, and so when people would ask me, who would you cosplay as if you were ever to dress up as a cosplay character, I would always say, Saya. I'd pop in those red contact lenses, man, <laughs> put on that schoolgirl thing and grab a sword. I'd be, I'd be set. <laughs> so what was your welcome to voice acting moment, as it were, that moment when you knew you would make it? When I knew I had made it? Yes. <laughs> oh, oh, I know exactly what that is. Uh, so I went to, I got asked to be the guest of honor at Anime Expo a few years ago. Uh, I want to say it was like maybe 2010. Um, and they had a Meet Kari Walgren panel. And I went into the ballroom it was this big ballroom in a convention room, uh, convention center. And I went into the room, and it was just packed with people. And so I was waiting for the room to clear out so that I could start my panel. And then somebody said, no, they're here to see your panel. Oh, wow. And that was the holy crap. <laughs> that was the... That was the holy crap. <laughs> Um, one role I was very surprised to see you take on was the role of Anka in the show Archer. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious to know, what was the atmosphere like when recording that part? Um, first of all, that, that's one of those great things where I literally thought that I gave the worst audition of my entire life. And I, was, I walked out saying, I just need to go into accounting. And, and I booked the role. Um, uh, they did what's called a phone patch 
So we weren't in person. Uh, I just had an engineer and the guys were calling in from another state to record. Mm -hmm. And I was recording by myself in the studio. Oh, gosh. I I don't know how much of the story I can tell. I know they're recording devices. Let's let's just say that it's awkward to be making certain sound effects and noises and then to run into somebody that you haven't seen for a while and be like, hey, how's your new baby? Uh, That's all I can say about that. That's all I can say about that. But it was a super fun experience. I mean, we laughed the whole time through it. I mean, we were just laughing so hard, I think I almost cried during that session. <laughs> were you able to uh, give the chance to improvise some of the lines that they were given to you? A little bit. A little bit, yeah. And a little... <laughs> yes, and some of, the, some of the sound effects and things, the <laughs> grossest of which were not used in the show, <laughs> those were all improv. <laughs> okay. Um, Next question. I got one last question, uh, and it's kind of a staple question that we're using for all voice actors and actresses, which is, do you have a short story of either a uh, a fanboy or girl horror story, uh, or uh, backstage VA shenanigans, pranks, and whatnot? Ooh. Um, well, I think the weirdest thing that had has ever happened to me at a convention is a guy came up and he he asked me to sign his underwear (laughs) and it was like a little Superman Speedo kind of thing and he wasn't wearing them at the time and they looked relatively clean so I was like okay Uh, so I I'm just not going to think about where those pantaloons are now. <laughs> Shrine. Yeah. I, I think maybe the safe one would be he's got it framed on his wall. He hasn't taken it off since. <laughs> <laughs> and now he's taking it to get Monica Rial's signature. Exactly. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so that was probably the weirdest thing that happened at a convention. Most of the time, uh, people are, are really sweet. I've had one or two like uh, uncomfortable things happen, but uh, but that was the most downright bizarre. Oh, um, so you did mention that you're a little nerdy, like as the rest of us are in this room. Yes. Do you have a character crush from any TV shows? Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, how much time do you have? Uh, um, I. I loved David Tennant. I, I love David Tennant. I've, in fact, one of my first goals when I get home is that I finally got through Netflix his version of Hamlet. So uh, I'm getting ready to watch that when I get home. We, uh, I do fish hooks for the Disney Channel, and they had him as a guest star. So unfortunately, they phone patched him, so I didn't get to meet him. But that was one of those few moments where I was like, "You're getting who?" <laughs> I said something really suave like that. Uh, And I was on the Peter Dinklage bandwagon long before Game of Thrones. If you guys haven't seen The Station Agent, it's a great movie, and he's a phenomenal actor. And, uh, you know, he's hot, so... (laughs) 
those, those would be a couple that come to mind. <laughs> okay. So this is just a miscellaneous question. Um, so you're a PNIDX graduate. Woo! Yes, indeed. Nice. Um, I've seen that she's taking acrobatics. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Dre Weber flies through the air with the greatest of ease. I'm, I'm trying. I'm, I'm... <laughs> You've done voice acting for stage, behind the mic, and also uh, video games, also stuff like that. Is there anything you can't do? Oh, man. Well, there are many things I don't do well. Uh, let's, let's not give me too much credit here. Uh, but there are definitely still a lot of things that I want to try. Uh, uh, I want to try a trapeze class. Um, that's, that's in the works. Um, you know, I want to travel. There are a lot of places that I want to see. Um, I, I have new projects that I am writing and, and wanting to create. So it's fun, you know. I'm, I'm hoping I've got a, a lot of years left because uh, life's too exciting. There's a lot of, a lot of stuff that I want to do. <laughs> um, you've had the pleasure of voicing both of Peter Parker's love interests in two separate occasions. Yes! Uh, Mary Jane in the Spider-Man 3 video game and um, Gwen Stacy in the Amazing Spider-Man video game. So for uh, so, so for the fanboys who have been fighting over who's the better love interest, like which one did you have the most fun recording and why? Oh, uh, well, I I think I had more fun recording Gwen Stacy because that was one of the few times where we got to do a video game recording with other people. So Sam Regal, who played Spider-Man, and I actually got to record some of the scenes together. So that's just fun. I mean, it's just a lot of fun. Um, the cool story behind uh, the Mary Jane Watson uh, voiceover gig, though, was that uh, I guess Kirsten Dunst wanted to pick her her voice match for the show. Mm -hmm. So I think it was down to myself and another gal, and she picked me. And I got to meet Toby McGuire when during the recording of that. So so uh, so that was a pretty cool cool thing and he was really nice. So very cool. you talk about uh, with um, television and voice acting, but with movies because I'm a big movie buff. Is there any movie that you would like to do? Like, um, would you like to transition to like the big screen? I mean, not just the big screen. Um, you know, look, any any opportunity that I'm gonna be fortunate enough to get, I'm I'm gonna take it. Um, I've always been a little bit more drawn to TV because it moves a lot faster. I mean, you can spend. Um, a year, sometimes more, working on one film, whereas with TV, you show up, you shoot sometimes for a day, and then you move on to something else the following week. So for my maybe short attention span or something, I like how fast TV moves. I like the fact that you get a chance to play a lot of different things. Um, having said that, you know, if they want to cast me in the next Avatar movie or something, I, I wouldn't turn it down. So. <laughs> Shoot, I have a lot of favorites. Um, 
I think like some of my top five are uh, maybe Die Hard, Casino Royale, best Christmas movie ever. Yeah, totally, totally. Oh my gosh, that's dark. I hadn't thought of that one for a while. Uh, yeah, so Die Hard, Casino Royale, When Harry Met Sally, Gone with the Wind. Um, yeah, those are those are the ones that that pop up in my mind right offhand. It's an eclectic mix, I know. <laughs> um, so uh, we've uh, spoken to a couple of other voice actors who have kind of said this every once in a while, but have you ever recorded something, uh, not knowing what it was, and then find out later what you recorded, like for a TV show or a video game, something like that, just find out that your voice, hey, I'm in that? Yes, uh, especially with video games. They take their non-disclosures very seriously. I mean, um, uh, the, I people say, why don't you have your guy update your website more often? And literally what happened was, I think there were two different occasions where I had worked on a video game, and it had been, I want to say nine months, ten months previously, and I thought, okay, it's safe to at least say she's in the process of recording this game and within 24 hours the game company had sent me an email and been like "Ooh, can you take that off because uh, we haven't announced the North American uh, release of that title yet or somebody else had contacted me and said "Ooh, can you take that off because we just had a fan contact us and say thank you for casting Kari Walgren but we haven't talked you know we haven't talked about it yet so so the video game companies take their non-disclosures extremely seriously um, so the problem is, is that I've gotten to the point now where I just mind wipe myself after sessions. And so literally a game will come out and it will have been out for like six months. And somebody will be like, oh my gosh, I loved you in that game. And I'll say, oh, so it's out. Oh, that's great. Now I can actually talk about it, you know. Uh, and, and a lot of times also with video games, they work under fake titles. So I'll spend a year working on a game that's called something and then it gets released as something else so I'm just as confused as the next person uh, when they're like oh I loved you in such and such and I'm like oh I don't think I was in that and they're like no you played so and so oh so that's what that was so uh, back to Tsunami real quick um, yeah it, was, it took a humongous fan campaign to get back last year and a lot has been made about the anime industry and you know how much trouble it's been in the last few years. So, what are your thoughts on how Toonami could help the anime industry? Because the Sword Art Online announcement yesterday went absolutely huge. The place exploded. So, um, do you think that exposure could help the anime industry in a, in a big way? I'm going to be brutally honest here, guys. The only thing that can help the anime industry are the anime fans. And it's not showing up at the conventions, it's buying the products, it's watching the shows. Because as much as we may love it, as passionate as we may be about it, it's a business. And if these companies aren't making money, they may, they may feel very passionate about the project, but they can't afford to pay their employees, they can't afford to keep their doors open. Um, so. You know, people say, do you have a problem with fan subs? Do you have a problem with, 
illegal streaming and stuff. I only have a problem with it if you want to see more of it on the air, if you want it to be more accessible, because uh, the anime industry is in trouble because it can't afford to stay in business. Um, so I would say that anime fans can, are the only thing that can save the anime industry. Anime fans are the ones that can keep Toonami on the air. Stop complaining about what they're airing and tune in and watch because if they get the ratings, then they'll keep it on. You know what I mean? It, it just, it does nothing to help them if, if, uh, if it doesn't ultimately make them money, if it doesn't ultimately get them viewers. So step up to the plate. <laughs> You're here. Um, we were talking about video games. Are you a gamer yourself? or? I am a horrible gamer. <laughs> and when I say horrible, I mean that I'm crappy. I cannot play video games to save my life. I would never see any of the work that I do in video games if, if there weren't clips on YouTube or people didn't send me, like, oh, I love this scene that you did. I'm like, oh, thank God, because that is level three, and I cannot get to level three. Thank you for sending me this clip. You mentioned sports before. Uh, just, just for reference, what's your favorite team's favorite sports? You know, what teams do you associate with? I am a passionate Dodgers fan. I am a passionate Yankees hater. Yeah, I cried. That's the Brooklyn Dodgers thing. Yeah, totally. I've got a Brooklyn Dodgers yeah, t-shirt. Awesome. Oh, God. Um, yeah, my biggest thing here that I'm trying to get them to hopefully help me do is see a Red Sox game while I'm here in town. Um, uh, I am a fanatic about uh, the Kansas Jayhawks because I went to school there, so college basketball season oh, is... Paul Pierce, yes! See? I saw I him on campus. <laughs> I saw him uh, eating french fries with girls. So, that's right. You heard it here first. Um, and all things NFL. Like, I don't have one NFL team. I can watch any game. That's the nature of football. It's, yeah. Football, it's almost doesn't matter. It's just the game itself. It's so everything. So, yeah. Any hockey you know, I used to have tickets to the L.A. Kings, and they were third-row seats. They were amazing seats. Like, the guys would f crash up against the glass, and you'd see, like, the spit fly out of their mouth. You were that close. But the L.A. Kings sucked. They haven't been good since Gretzky was on the team, and that was in the 90s. They completely stunk. And so I finally got rid of those tickets, and then they went on to win the Stanley Cup. So what are you going to do? Has anybody seen uh, the Doctor Who finale? Is anybody in the Is this really There's been a debate about what order. Is he the guy that started it all or is he the guy that ends it all? From a fan's perspective, being a Doctor Who fan, what do you think? Um, well... It was kind of a curveball. I mean, the whole season felt a little uneven. Yes, like I, I, so that was a big curveball that they threw there at the end. Um, I think he's a 
mystery doctor from somewhere in the middle. I think like I think that there's a weird timeline in the middle, and he's like the actual number nine or something, nine or ten. Okay. We'll see. But then I think actually number ten is actually number eleven. Number eleven is actually number twelve. I don't know. <laughs> but but I could be. That's a that's a whole new theory that I've never even thought of. Yeah, I think it's usually like he's the guy before the first doctor. He's, he's the evil guy. Doctor. The yeah. yeah, I could. I don't know. I could be completely wrong. But that's that's what and I'm that's thinking. Your because that's that's a fan. That's a fresh opinion right there. That uh, you know that you're able to share with us. Begin your conspiracy theories now. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be starring in the next season of Doctor Who. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, listen, 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 listen to the announce. I think I would poop my pants. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah, no, no poop the pants. <laughs> okay, that's it. We can't end on poop the pants. <laughs> got it. There's got to be at least like What's, one more what's question. My favorite color. It's actually pink. Pink is my power color. It may look like all pretty and feminine and delicate, but it's I'm usually wearing it when I'm feeling like kicking ass. Kicking ass is a better way to Yeah. Kicking ass. <laughs> you guys, thank you so much for coming. You made this really fun for me. So yeah, awesome.